0: Welcome to Toby Haydokes Who's round. It's part two of my June Hudson and Dorka nearradic interview and we left June talking about working on season 18 of Doctor Who.
1: I was allowed to choose a designer that I could work with and I chose Amy Roberts because I considered to be a very fine designer and I wanted to work with the best talent and I thought that Amy Roberts was the best talent that was there available for me and she was the one that I chose to work
0: with and she indeed did the costumes for Time Time Flight is always seen as a bit of a, a failure in the sense that it's a Doctor Who story that's made in a television studio where you've got the Pliocene era having a Concord land on it yes, at the end yeah. of the season when all the money's ran out, and um, so were you aware that something? I mean, was sometimes were the productions like that quite fraught um, or, or difficult, or, or did they? Do
2: you know? I, I I was never aware of any of that. I was never aware of any of the political side. I think no. you, you're so busy doing your own job. I miss sure around and, Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you. you it's only totally totally when them. when you. When you then talk to other people, and, they go, and you go, "Really?" Oh, no. and you think, "Well, where was I?" And it's because you were in the makeup yeah, room. Yeah, the because they're
1: quickly changing somebody. That's true. I mean, because well, I, I'm always amazed at the politics that went on. Because they well, "Didn't you know that?" I said, "But they said, but they, they hate each other." I said, <laughs> "But they're always together." Yeah. and they said, "Because they're always that. together because they keep an eye on each other." I said, yeah, "Oh, yeah. I mean, this is something that yeah. I think I because think we all, and I yeah. are alike." in our creativity, is that we were primarily interested in creating the very best of ourselves for our job. We weren't interested in all the, the, the politics. I think weren't also even aware b- of it. B-
2: BBC staff was a great... Um, you didn't have to... Be trying to get on with your producers or anything, you could get on with doing the creation and the, the artistry of your job. That mm. was one, one of you the didn't great have strengths. to keep keep um, a producer happy by chatting to him or whatever. Um, that was a wonderful thing. Um, I, I think it was the
1: independence of being employed by the BBC yeah. instead of so like it, now so by the, yeah. individual so producers.
2: You discuss everything at, at the planning meeting, all your ideas and everything, and then you just got on with it. And and we were all working together, but you were too busy to actually go on about oh, who is who who is, who doesn't like who. I never ever saw any of no, that. No, I never, I never, saw never any knew of who which either. actors didn't like who. All that I saw was the wigs and the the things. So that that's where I would just you know be looking at.
1: Yes, me too. I, I, but it was. I mean, there was an awful lot of of politics that yeah. went on. And, that I was totally... Both yeah. <laughs> Dorgren and I were totally unaware of and it filled me with amazement when I yeah. heard about
0: it. Well, talking about producers, though, he bestrides the sort of latter era of Doctor Who. We've mentioned him a couple of times. T- t- tell me about John Nathan Turner because, you know, he is indelibly linked with those, well, those last loved, nine years of Doctor Who.
1: I loved working with John Nathan Turner. I know that he liked me enormously and wanted me to stay on the programme and I loved working with him and he trusted me completely um, in designing the costumes, and he also what he's going to surprise us with now, mm-hmm. and it was lovely. I I must say that his enthusiasm, his good humour, it was sheer fun working with John Entenza, and and I adored him and, and loved working with him. I can say that quite without any hesitation.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm the same here. I mean, he he requested me for the um, for the Leisure Hive, and. Um, but I was um, anxious because I was just a young designer. I was anxious to do other things. I wanted to do the big dramas, the big period dramas and things. So that I did ask. I said, "Look, I I don't want to do all of the doctor. I would like to take up time off so that he would call me in when he could. He he he. Yeah, he would call me in for certain ones, which was great. But as I say, because I was young, I wanted to try out other things um, and so he was very understanding very fair mm. and that yeah. was the beauty
1: of being BBC it was because, because I would try the, out all yeah, of those cause things was, yes because I was the same I mean I left because the Shakespeare's were coming exactly. to an end and I did Much ad- uh, do About Nothing and Comedy of Errors with yeah. James Keston Jones and, and Stuart Burge did uh, <laughs> Much do About Nothing which I did those two um in the Shakespeare series, which yeah. I would not have had the opportunity yeah. to do. And, of course, the yeah. Oedipus yeah. trilogy, which I would not have had yeah. the opportunity to do if I stayed on Doctor Who. But it was with the greatest reluctance I left, because yeah. it is a designer's dream. I, I loved and loved working on it. I, I, I thought that it was the most enormous fun. I, I left, actually, when Tom Baker left.
0: You did, yeah. Because
1: that was a sort of natural end mm. uh, to my work, really, because I designed his new... The re- his new costume and I'd worked on altogether eight altogether, and there was an opportunity for me to design these big period shows like, like Dorka mm-hmm. and that's why I moved on really and I think too um, Tom said to me which was very interesting and he said you know Judy said the time to leave he said is when you're at the very pinnacle <laughs> he said "and and not wait until Maybe they think, you know, it's time they tried Mm. fresh talent. He said, said, I think, you know, to go when you're at the very pinnacle of your success with a producer, which Mm. Dorker and I were.
0: Well, and of course, I mean, I'm always at pains and I'm always... um, you know, feel bad that you, you. I'm always drawn to these wonderful professionals who've had such an eclectic uh, careers to talk about Doctor Who. So, if, and you, I know you've both been asked about Doctor Who countless times, even in America in a prison, yeah. as you told us at lunchtime. Um, but so, actually, if, if somebody was to come and talk about to you about some of the other work that you've done, that you, go oh, I wish I could talk about these things. What are the jobs that stick out that you think that your work was particularly good on, or that were particularly good final products, or that were just the most fun to work on?
2: I've done because of being at the BBC you were in the right place and directors who knew, you know got to know your work they would request you for so many different productions so that I would be doing things like yes minister I designed that or I'd be doing french and saunders or so that it's completely different things or I did um last the summer wines I did um called comfort farm um which was a film um john schlesinger direct yes yeah it was his last film um you know so there was just such a wonderful array of of programs that you were given um and you didn't have to go anywhere it was all for the bbc um and you had a fantastic backing of the makeup store of the um stock room
1: of of uh, it was just uh, fantastic i think yeah, that dork is right the reason that the work with bbc was so magical is the backup the support you got we had wardrobe department we had dresses we had transport allocation i mean you had huge backups so that you could just be creative we were responsible you can walk into the,
2: the set design yeah. you can go you know everybody was in the bl- the block yeah. television center or across the road in Villiers' hands in or whatever, phone, yeah. so that you could mix with different departments, so that the, it, it, it was just wonderful. You could see the director. You could he because he they were working they in, were in another, floor, floor, another floor, you know, so that you had everybody together. Um, and people were generous. For the whole if working you did, day. You could have a, you, got a burn to do. So you'd say, anybody done a burn lately? A burn lately? And some would say, yeah, I did that. What kind of burn was it? Oh, have you done a drowning? Yes, I did a So you'd share things you don't have that now because you're, uh, you're, you're isolated, you're on your own, yeah. on
1: your own. Mm-hmm. you know, um, it was just... It was just teamwork, wasn't yeah. it, it was yeah. fantastic teamwork, it's why the BBC was able to produce these memorable programmes that are shown over and yeah. over again, I mean, I certainly did um, so many comedies, um, art, um, Are You Being Served, Your Death Dupont, Reggie Perrin, I mean, all these comedy programmes were huge fun. And we had a huge mix of programmes. Nowadays, people tend to specialise and to get stuck on one well, kind the, the, of the, the, It's not that you specialise, they are not given
2: a chance. Today, there, there are, um, everything is so fast that if a director's looking for uh, a makeup or a costume person, they then look to see well who did the last big drama. So that it's the same people get the word. That's what I mean. Yeah. Not you, they don't take chances. At the BBC they had they were in a position to give people chances. Whether you were a young writer with a new idea, they'd say, Oh, that's an unusual but story. Let's Becca. give them a chance. Let's give them a chance. And so they were they could take a chance at them it either worked or it didn't, but you got a chance to show it. Nowadays it's all right, let's do a repeat of the same thing and the same thing because we know it made money last time. But it's played
1: safe. I mean, the BBC could afford to take risks. I mean, for one thing, they had script editors in situ, so if there was any problems, they could scoop up somebody that maybe was inexperienced and needed support. I mean, it was a marvellous factory. No, they buy everything. a factory, yes. Yeah, factory for making programmes, isn't it? Yeah. Factory for making programmes at BBC. And it was, I mean, that kind of cooperation and that kind... I mean, with designers at, at its height, the costume department had 60 designers at well, its at height. At its 60 height you could designers. go designers. you
2: could go anywhere in the world and people would be literally bowing at the name of the BBC. It, it came right from the war when they used to say, this is London, this is the BBC, and everyone... People risked their lives to switch on to the BBC. It meant truth. It meant everything. Freedom, Integrity. everything, everything. Yeah. And then, so that we still had that. When I, when I went filming and I was in the middle of New York filming, someone came up to me on the street and said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm doing a BBC drama. <gasps> it was like, oh, I've just been... I'm working with the Queen here. <laughs> you know, it was that... It, it really was that. The, the, the thing that came... People copied the, what we did on the period dramas—the makeup that we did, the hair. People copied it in America. Now it's—it um, seems to be that well, it's also awesome.
1: it's the it's same thing. What they want it, they I mean, artists are afraid to have a different hairstyle a proper period hairstyle yeah, sorry, yeah. because they're afraid that maybe the public won't accept it's the it, different. How, yeah, so I mean, for, which is Dorcas. but the same—the the same thing. I mean, and one thing I must mention, another person I did his first television was Elton John. Oh. Late night lineup. Yeah. When they said, we've got this, because I used to cover that. Uh, there was, it went out live about 11 o'clock at night, and there was this young chap sitting there, and they said, well, this is Elton John. He's, he's a young, uh, uh, he's a composer of songs he plays, and he said, he just wants to ask you, um, what to wear and he said he's got a, a mickey mouse shirt and he's got mm-hmm. a mickey mouse t-shirt well the mickey mouse t-shirt was was quite wet because he it was very hot in the studio and also he was he was nervous and very young and uh, so he put it as I, I thought the shirt would look nice which it did i mean it was a, it was a very nice shirt with mickey mouse and that was his and he was extremely nervous and i said wait they'll wait for you they'll wait for you you know but he was so anxious to give up his but best i best. mean just talking about elton john oh. when we used to do top of the pops mm. you know, i mean
2: i was one of the young designers as, as you would have done it and just to have the the beetles you'd be making up the beetles i remember making up um sting and we would this is for top of the pops and somebody on, in the audience, they used to have an, the audience dancing around the stage. And of course the cameras would say, keep an eye from the corner so that otherwise you'd be knocked knocked sideways with, because the cameras would be swinging around. Oh, doing those all those cameras like, so so flying so in the oh. air. So of course, I, 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 among many people, I was making up sting, And when I came out onto the floor, because we'd be standing by, just in case they, they went again and we had to quickly jump in just to powder somebody. And... One of the girls who was, who was just um, public dancing, she had said about Sting, and she must have asked one of the other makeup girls, and of course they said, Oh, Dorka's made up Sting. She's just been making him up. So this girl came up to me, she said, I heard you've made up Sting. I said, Yes, yes. Yeah. Do you know, she actually took my hand and kissed my hand. <laughs> kissed my hand that i had made up Sting. Oh, to me, I was like, Oh my God, she went, you made up Sting and kissed my hand. I mean that was the kind of, <laughs> and yet because we, we were working on these topics of, the yes, box office, of You never you think, think. I never think. Never it's, think it's only think now of that I'm talking about mm. it that I think. You think Gosh, yeah. yes, I made up. Yeah. Um, you know, Paul McCartney. Yes, I made up Mick Jagger. Yes, I made up. I know all these people, but th- because you were busy, it was your job. It was your job. You were it just it? okay. Next, next. It was like a, it like the
1: factory like, belts, really,
2: because like you had that. to. But it's not now. On hindsight, you think. Oh my goodness, yes, oh my goodness.
1: Mm. Well, me too. I mean, it was Sir John Gielgud, that I designed his costume for Oedipus? You know, I mean, what, no. a, what a lovely man. Yeah, and yeah, and I mean... He, he was lovely. Yeah. And it, it, you know, but you took... Because it, you were doing a professional job, yeah. I mean, you you couldn't... They became people that you saw all the they time. They were just people you saw all the time. They the were time. just people that Comics. you were working with. Yeah. Exactly. But one thing I mustn't forget to say, that in Much Ado About Nothing, Howard Burton was my assistant, and what a marvellous assistant, what a brilliantly talented designer how it is. Of course, the present costume designer for Doctor for Who. For Doctor Who. So it's full circle. All, yeah. yeah. All
0: roads lead to Doctor Who. All
1: roads lead yeah. to Doctor Who. And
0: I have to say, what I admire about your costumes, June, is that I think the temptation when you're doing Doctor Who is you're in futuristic planets, is to try and be overtly futuristic, and there's nothing that dates... Like the present day vision of the future, be it silver tinfoil or whatever. Oh, and, I
1: hated that. and
0: all of your costumes, I think, really work because they're timeless and yet they are not contemporary, and so you can suggest a future. So, so thinking, for example, of Creature from the Pit and um, the Horns of Naimon, they're set on alien planets, but you don't go for what I would call, it's not a technical term, spangly. No, you're no, no, you're, you're you have a much more so so tell us well, about your approach operatic. to that sort of thing. Yeah,
1: well, I, 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 said, I, I mean, I've always adored the sort of operatic looks, I think that is a timeless look, and I think too, uh, with actors and actresses within the context of the part they're playing, should always look their best.
0: I think Myra Francis looks terrific in Creature I mean, from the I, Pit. I mean,
1: uh, Myra, I'm still a friend with Peter Egan, I designed Peter Egan's first. Television, of course. Not cold comfort farm, which was the earlier version. It all ties
0: in
2: (laughs) with Peter Egan. I I want Peter on. On Perfect Spy, oh, big yes, business. Of Designed that, yes. Well, you see, Lovely. We, Lovely this
1: is how it happens at the yeah. BBC. You see, oh. I worked with a lot the director of that, and I was very, very sad when Peter Hammond died, which was I think last year. Was a very modest man, and I said to him once, um, "I said, do you, you? You've never written your memoirs, no?" And the sad, and sad thing is about Peter Hammond, actor, wonderful director. Nobody has ever. Recorded his memory, even the history project and yeah. uh, the you know the back to history project they yeah. haven't got anything of his such a fantastic mm. career and I worked in the combination with him also that was an, another present it was Dorothy Tutin. Mm. Oh yes and that and again, you know what a sensitive and wonderful director, lovely, oh, and of course, I did the white Rabbit with him, which and I said to Peter afterwards um Kenneth, the actor Kenneth Moore Kenneth Moore. Kenneth Moore was the white rabbit and uh, and uh, you know, I said to Peter Hammond afterwards, I said, "What a shame said uh, that there is no record that film was wiped mm.
2: hmm. really? and the oh, wow. reason yeah,
1: it was wiped was a contract they had that with the people that wrote it, or producers of it, because they were going to make a film, and they said that the only way that the BBC could do that production by wife, with Kenneth it. Moore is by wiping oh. oh. Can what you sure believe that? So that whole thing was all these wonderful actors directed by Peter Hammond in the late, I think it was the late 60s we did that. One of the very early productions I did was Peter Hammond. I worked with him quite a few times. But he was he was a a, a sensitive and brilliant writer. He did a lot of period productions, didn't he? Peter Hamley, including Cold Comfort Farm. um, Mm -hmm. which I thoroughly enjoyed designing. I must say that was great. With Peter Egan, of course, with Big Business the (laughs) Bull. And Alistair Sim. (laughs) well as a matter of fact I said to Peter Hammond I said well you know I said Alistair Sim is so lovely to work with I said he's always smiling Mm -hmm. he said yeah he said he's had all the budget that's why
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's brilliant
1: (laughs) and and of course the the big man himself climbing Everest Brian Blessed Mm. he was in that as well and Can you
0: design a costume to contain the sheer yes, presence exactly. of Brian Blessed?
1: That's it. Just about. He fell in the river, fully dressed. Well, he had to in, in the story. Yeah. So, I mean, that the, the costumes on that, oh, yeah. I was 20s. Oh, I yeah. did enjoy yeah. doing that. And Peter Hammond actually said to me, she's getting into this, this game. He said, be careful, he said, I want to get the costumes ruined. He said, by the way, he said, I'm going to alter my shots. I said, Oh, really? He said, Yes, he said. I love your costumes, June. He Said I, I'm going to alter the shots so we see more of them. We set oh, the full length. That's nice. Yeah. And that was so yeah. nice. That that was um, that was brilliant. And that, so that was a, a memorable production, and one that that really I've done so many. You see, my CV, if I list all the programmes I've done for the BBC, they run into fourteen pages. Oh my god. I mean, it covers a career of 25 years. And over those 25 years, we turned out programs like Shelling Peas, didn't we? I mean, we did. I mean, you did. Sometimes you were doing two programs at once because you were prepping. While you were doing one, you were prepping the other. And I did children's programs as well. I, I never said no to anything. I just said yes, you know. We used to look at the, we had a huge chart in the allocations office. And I was never one of those people, which I count myself as fortunate in that, because a lot of designers used to go up to the bar, the famous BBC Club bar, Mm -hmm. chatting up producers and directors because they'd got their eyes on something they wanted to do. I was never any good at that, and it would not have occurred to me. So whatever I was given to do, I did it. I said, "Oh yes, you know you're going to do th- this programme or or that." And I said, "Yeah, that's fine, you know. All oh, creatures great and small." Um, I was a year on that, and that was quite funny. It wasn't quite my cup of tea, really, though it was set in 1950. But that was a that was a complete change from my usual sort of it. It's a very long time though to be in Yorkshire, but I thoroughly enjoyed that.
0: Oh, talking of all creatures great and small, though I interviewed Bill Sellers for this.
1: I did. Bam Pow Zap was him. Was the first...
0: Oh, yeah, that's a...
1: Bam Pow Zap, 1967, I think. Yeah. And Robert...
0: Robert, pa-
1: Robert Powell. Powell. Robert and Powell. And he said, I've got a young actor in this called Robert Powell. He said, And I met him in Carnaby Street in the late 60s. And he was sitting there eating shepherd's pie. I met him at lunchtime. And he was very small and slim and alert. And I'd, And he said, he has a very big future, that young actor. He said... You know, he said, I, I really said, I'm putting my money on him. He's going to be terrific in this.
0: Well, look, before I, before I, I've subjected you to far too much interrogation, but we can't leave without talking about the Candyman, man
1: Oh, we got to hear about that. Mm-hmm.
0: Tell me about the Candyman.
2: Candyman, my goodness. Um, well, that, he was an idea that I had that he should be not, uh, in the script it says that he is made out of sweets and that he has a walking stick and he has a, an overall... That's how it's described. Well, I just felt that the 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 overall, it, that's almost like a lab technician character. But I just thought, well, we need to play more on the candy part. Otherwise, you've just got a, a, a sort of a lumpy thing in with an overall on and a walking stick. And I just felt that the walking stick is sort of, it's a sort of, it's not a strong image especially when he's made to be a wicked person and so I thought well why don't don't we have him made made out of he's part sweet and part robotic so that it's the he's he's got this soft center to him um which is the sweetie part but actually because he's metal so that he's he's a bad person purely because he's he's made up of, of metal um and so what I wanted but of course it's it's the storyline is, you go with the story, there's not really the time to film the little things that you've created about your character, which is that the Candyman was, because he was a metal, he was lubricating himself in order to make his joints move. And so we had him that there was actually like a sugary substance coming out of his his, his arms and his legs. And I wanted him to, as he walked, to, to have more of this sort of like you flick your leg forward as you walk. And you sl- you, you're you you sliming, because his feet were made out of um, blancmange, soft blancmange, that was seeping, this sugary stuff which was keeping you supple. And so he flicks his leg forward, but he's there's a sucking f- movement. So the, the, I wanted that to be much more of a sound of that he was making, so that it was almost like a big snail that was going to... You know, but of course you don't have that kind. Of, you can discuss this with the director and producer at the meetings, but it's another thing when you get into the studio f- because they have no time. So all of these things they were never filmed that way. So although you'd you'd given him these abilities, you, you we never used it. You never had. I would have loved it if the doctor had followed or his assistant had followed the slime on the floor that he'd left the markings like a snail um, leaves behind. I would have liked him for us to see more of the fact that when he's speaking to people, his robotic eyes—they were going round and round, round hypnotizing—so that he was trying to draw you, and you would have to look away because he was drawing you into his into his power. So a lot of that went without being used, mm. um, and so what you actually ended up with was was interesting, but it wasn't as 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 exciting as I would have liked it to have been. Um, because there just wasn't the time to to use it, and also the lighting helps. If you have more so, so atmospheric lighting, you can ha- you can make anything frightening. You all you need is to get the the lighting going and to get a sound going, whether it's just a heartbeat or something that makes you. But it was for children, so therefore the the director did never felt that he had the time or. N- the necessary thing to do that
1: you could have done but, it
2: with now course, but now would, have you would have fa- you, 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 now you, they would do all of that they would have made the man could have been quite frightening but as um, John Nathan Turner used to say we don't want to give people nightmares this is for a, a child audience this is going out at 5
1: o'clock in, of course now in in I mean they, they just know. I mean Nowadays, kids watch the most frightening horror stuff, don't they? It would have been all right. Yeah, exactly. Now. But,
2: but I mean, you know, everything is is of its time. The audience, the children of the time when it was being shown were of a particular... The, the kind of programmes that we watch now, they weren't available in the 80s. No. Um, kids weren't growing up quite as quickly as they are now with the things that we see uh, you would never have... Yeah. You, know, you, had, you had a cut off time for children on TV and people would switch off their TVs and say okay time for bed kids yeah. you didn't have them yeah. sitting watching the kind of programs that they watch now so it's 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 another time. Um,
0: but well, they there talking about the the Candyman, which was a monster, yes. the the central monster. You had to so say, would you have been under similar stipulations when you were d- doing the Nyman for, for the Halls no, of Nyman? They
1: didn't put any um, restrictions on On that. It was interesting that you mentioned that because there was something that I had actually forgotten that John Nathan Turner wanted me to design uh, to for special. He wanted me to design them. And special effects to use all their facilities and all their budget to make them, and special effects were extremely offended. Said thank you very much. We can design our own monsters if you don't mind. So I mean, I elected to design my own monsters, like the Nyman. Uh, Roger Oldenstead uh, ma- mainly made them for me, but the facilities for making those monsters. I mean, I saw them for sale at Bonham <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean the Fomacia I mean they worked very well on film but I just wish that I'd had uh, a better budget because we were, you, you really had a costume budget to make a monster, mm. well special effects budgets were much much bigger it was the way the BBC yeah, worked yeah. I could have done with that special effects budget and I would that would have suited me very well I would have loved to have have had special effects to a the facilities and the money was so mm-hmm. much better yeah. but of course the the bbc put it certainly put its big foot down on that it was mm-hmm. very very uh, very sort of patriarchal um what do they call it were very bossy the the bbc they had very clear demarcation lines and you overtrod those lines at your peril i mean i would never interfere with makeup um designer the makeup designer would never interfere with costume though we discussed everything together in period things um, the makeup designer would say i've got a particularly nice hairstyle i want Mm. to do i was thinking of dombey and son Mm. i want to do a hair like this um Mm. do you mind you Mm. know i mean uh, what that we keep that I can just have the hair and I don't do a headdress, so I don't do a bonnet. Exactly. Because because one of the big problems that another designer told me, Michael Birdle, that he did a programme in the 60s, Michael, where the bonnets wouldn't fit over the hair because Mm -hmm. it was all the backcombing and all the big hair, and the bonnets wouldn't... I mean, to me, that would be unacceptable because how can you not... I mean, Dawker and I mm. were just mm. so worked so closely together. Mm. And I mean, for me, I may say that working with someone as talented and creative as Docker uh, was very exciting. I must say, and and that uh, our relationship has, has been one a very close one on everything we worked on. And certainly, I, I can't think imagine it's important. not working closely I, with the makeup. I think
2: it is important to work together because at the end of the day, you're creating the reality. And if you're both on another story, then it, it, that's just crazy. You're not doing yourself a favour. No, you're not. So because it's not it has work. to be exactly. I mean, the hat doesn't exactly. look good, and the hair exactly. doesn't look good, so you yeah. end up nothing. Yeah. I mean, but because also, if if the the period hat, which is the correct shape and size of the period, doesn't fit the head, therefore it must say to the the hairdresser, sorry, there's something wrong with your design because this bonnet should fit. This hairstyle so therefore your hairstyle is not correct. Or oh, they can say to you because, the costume because design, your
1: hat's no good
2: for because this. because that is how you know the the people of that period they wore hats all the time so you know you'd go and visit somebody you did not take your hat off you'd sit down with your hat in fact it became part of a uh, fashion that you—that was part of the thing. Yeah, that's another that thing you have on.
1: to know. Is—is is you not only have to know about design, but you have to know about the customs of the period. Yeah. When you take hats on, exactly. And off, yeah. How uh, the social cus- customs So it's—it's yeah. it's a lot more to design than than just designing. You know. Yeah. You it's to like to know. when does
2: a man keep his his hat on? When does he take it off? Um. How? When does he?
1: You know. So th- there are lots of things There's that you have to correct. And, and, yeah. outdoor caps and yeah. indoor caps. i mean it, it it was quite i'm looking back i mean the amount of research was simply enormous yeah. on, on yeah. period production how the the designers now uh, worked of course they have a lot more people on it though don't they mm. for, yes you know yeah. supervisor assistants you know yeah. um so maybe they yeah. had just but also
2: i think i think um when you you know you can get onto the internet you press a few buttons oh, yes, and you can course, re- see so much yes. of productions films that have been done before you know so therefore you go all right Anna Karenina I'm doing Anna Karenina okay what did the last Anna Karenina or the last third and yeah. parent, what did they have what, what did, did they, they look like yeah. so that you can you can take out what you want out oh of the that, computer is,
1: by oh yeah. gosh I mean the days when you used to send an assistant going to for a photograph to shop or, and or shop, whatever now you're going to libraries and museums yeah. you know but even so I think the internet is very limited in what you can find, I think you there's no substitute for going to museums. Oh, of course, or, yeah,
2: You know, yeah, but, but
1: it has shortened it has. Yeah, My definitely. goodness, is you cannot underestimate, yeah. uh, overestimate yeah. that that the, the contribution yeah. that having a computer has made. Which but, is but I do they,
2: I do find um, especially for costume. I think it must be quite difficult now, because I remember when I was in the theatre d- doing costume. I remember we used to go to just John Lewis. Yeah. And they, you would go onto the ground floor. The whole floor was full of materials. Oh, oh, yes, rolls of fabric. You go but to John BBC Lewis isn't... now, you'd be lucky if there's three, three well, it's rolls just of makeup. fabric. Yes, it's there's just, just nothing. So yeah. therefore I often wonder, and I have a sister who's a costume designer, and I think it's a nightmare to find the kind of things, material, to make clothes. But I do I you thought, remember Baker Daughter. Street, um, not be- Berwick Street, yeah. there, there were all the markets there. Um, just gone. down the cut in Waterloo was. That's where well, I used, I used to nip from the old Vic across the road to the cut to buy from the market. Do you but remember Borovitz? Borovitz,
1: yes. Which has now got to one tiny yeah. shop from being like the, three they had shops the most, in one. Uh,
2: it was like a. It was a. Heaven. Rubens, the fe- all the, oh. the, the the feather All plet- oh, I forget who the, the lady it. was with the feathers and stuff. Oh, it was just uh, heaven. You could. There were so many shops that you could go into and find. Suppliers of fabric. You could get, supplies, supplies supplies. Fabric. Yeah. You could get fur um,
1: fabric, couldn't you? There was a whole factory just, that did fur um, fabric. whole place that yeah. did feathers. It and they just, were all in the West End, yeah, weren't yeah, they? Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, just walking down trimmings. Wardour Street, just walking down around there. So many places you could go into. You could
1: buy fabrics. Yeah. So I do feel sorry for young
2: designers now. I mean, they, they get the information,
1: um, but they don't get no, the materials.
2: yeah. But it's sad in in the way that, and by having these amazing markets with all this um, wonderful material, young people going to art colleges doing um, design, they were inspired to make their own clothes. So that you'd always you'd see walking around Carnaby Street and places people wearing things that they've just made, and yeah. you go, wow, look at that! People were inspired. Designers would especially make yeah. a trip to London
1: to be inspired by the different um, street, fashion yeah. made, yeah. street fashion was made actually street fashion was made you didn't go to primark somewhere no, for it no. it was made yeah. you, made it you was would smart. have
2: people come especially to london to be inspired by yeah. the young uh, people walking about with their own homemade things you don't have that now people just go and buy it all
0: well, I came to London today to be inspired, and I very much have been. I talk about getting material. I've, I've, got, I've, I've, I've impinged upon your time far too much. It's so been an enormous so it's pleasure. It's been absolutely extraordinary I for me. I'm so grateful. So the two final questions are, one, because you've given an extraordinary amount of your time and company um, for no money, but for charity. So would you like to nominate your charities that listeners I hope you will donate to as a result of this podcast?
2: Well, my charity, the Haven
1: Trust...
0: Thank you. That's Doctors the Haven Trust. And June?
1: And mine, I would like to, I mean, I'm not sure of the name of the charity, actually, but there are charities that look after abused animals abroad, like overworked donkeys and and animals that, that are worked, literally worked and starved to death. And I would like to contribute to that.
0: And the final question is, we, re- we convene here um, just just after 50 years after the very first episode of Doctor Who is transmitted. So, um, and people listening to this have been inspired to do so because they love Doctor Who. So, ladies, what is your message to the listening Doctor Who fans out there in this illustrious year?
1: Just keep watching. Yeah, I was <laughs> going to say that. Just keep watching because the fans must remember that the reason that Doctor Who is, such a is so loved because of them is because of them.
2: But they're looking at it, yes.
1: They, they... They are the people that keep Doctor Who going and to, who inspire new people to design for Doctor Who.
0: Well, you've kept me going almost to the finishing line, but can you please uh, provide me with some proof? Because my task was to get this all done in the year 2013. So could <laughs> could you tell me the date, please, ladies?
2: The lady. date is, Today is the... 17th of December
1: or is it 18th? it's the 18th it's the 18th of December. December 2013
0: so that thank you and that's nobbled off the leisure <laughs> hive all I have to do now is frontios in Time of the Angels but I will find those somewhere else but for now Dorkeniradzik and June Hudson thank you ever so much for your time
1: thank you
0: thank you bless you I hope that was okay for you ladies thank you <laughs> My thanks to June and Dorka I could have stayed all day, in fact I think I did! Um, their charities are, June as you heard was non-specific, she wanted uh, uh, charities for animals, abroad or overworked donkeys so I found a page called donkeycharities.co.uk which has a list of lots of different uh, charities for donkeys including some abroad, so take your pick. Uh, Dorka chose the Haven Trust which is a breast cancer charity You can find them at The Haven, all one word, all small case, thehaven.org.uk. There were two charities there, of course, but there were two episodes, so hopefully over the course of both, uh, you'll donate. Um, You can follow me on Twitter, at Toby TobyHadon, T-O-B-Y-H-A-D-O-K-E. And here is a preview. Oh, that shows it's done in real time. Somebody in this house got a message, it wasn't me. Um, You can find... uh, the, uh, a clue to who's coming next uh, shortly after this very well rehearsed and tightly scripted uh, exit from this episode of Toby Haytock's Who's Round, which is finishing now, or it never will. Goodbye. I mean, there was this this extraordinary uh, polarity. There, there were people who worked, who regularly worked inside Doctor Who, for whom it was just Doctor Who. Oh God, another Doctor Who. You know, oh God, we'll, we'll get through. We'll get it done. There are certain minimum standards and we're already working to them, so let's get this thing on. Yeah, yeah. That was the prevailing atmosphere.
1: Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Jago and Lightfoot, Series 10. The hour
0: is nearly upon us, Lightfoot. It's only our prospective biographer we're meeting, Henry, not the Queen. Good morning, Carruthers Summerton. What a delightful housekeeper. What a delightful house she keeps. Uh, Pleased to meet you. So, what's our next move? Our next move?
1: Now, I understand you're interested in hiring one of our girls. We have several available, all with excellent testimonials. (laughs) What's happening? We're going up! (laughs) There is nowhere you can run. Nowhere you can hide.
0: (laughs) Uh, Not if I can help it.
2: Miss Adela Lestrange.
0: I, I, I don't have to fight anyone, do I?
2: No, I do that.
0: <laughs> so what's in here? What is it, Miss Higson? A bit of the address. Do you think we can work out whose it is? No need. I know whose it is. In fact, yes, here we are.
1: How do you do? What?
0: Stand back from the formaldehyde. And...
1: Now, if you thought spontaneous human combustion was a bit out of the ordinary, well, you ain't seen nothing yet. Big Finish. We love stories.